Well, we're going to continue our study in uh, understanding what we do as the body of Christ. We're nearing the end of it. We're going to move into uh, some other topics, but uh, today we're going to be studying from Isaiah, and then we're going to be moving all the way over to the book of John. So if you want to get out your Bibles and follow along, I'd love for you to do that. Um, how many of us like to eat? Everybody should raise their hand. And everybody likes to eat, right? We love to eat, right? This is a, this is a group of people whose stomachs are about to start growling here in about 30 or 40 minutes. Uh, we like to eat. We, we eat all the time. Um, I like to eat buttermilk biscuits. And uh, Melvin was kind enough to show me how to make some. So I've been making buttermilk biscuits like crazy. Uh, and they are good. I've gotten better and better at that recipe, and I'm still working on it. So um, it's it's uh, it's always good to eat. Uh, we all like to eat, but the problem with eating is it doesn't last. Our stomachs start growling. We get hungry again. We need something else to eat because food is very temporary uh, in our lives. But as we look at what we what we read in the scripture reading, and we look at different texts uh, this morning, we're going to see that as the body of Christ that we are supposed to eat spiritual food. That's what we're called to do in life, that we are, uh, part of our existence includes taking in spiritual food. Our series has been about doing, uh, what, what do we do now that we understand this idea that church is not a place we go to? Church is not uh, a business. It's not like all these theaters and concerts and shopping areas that we go to, we give money and we expect to get a good deal, right? We expect to get a lot out of whatever we've put in. It's not a place we go to where other people serve us, uh, but it's not even a place at all. Church is a group of people who are a part of the body of Christ, who are part of the family, the spiritual family of God. That's who we are. And so we started the year focusing in on that idea, developing that concept in our minds, and then we, we studied ice a little bit, and then we jumped into this concept. Okay, we understand we are the body of Christ. We are the church. What should we be doing? To be more than just a country club where we come together with strangers and we just kind of interact on the surface level, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to actually be the church? And obviously, we're supposed to love as Christ has loved us. We're supposed to stand for the truth as Christ brought that truth to us. And the truth is what makes us, sets us free and helps us to be what God calls us to be. And then we're supposed to worship God. That is our, that is our desire to worship him in spirit and in truth with our whole being, that we worship God and that we serve him and that we lift him up. And then last time we talked about abiding in Christ concept that we don't really think about too much that I hope that you're doing that you've been doing over the last week you've been connecting yourself to Christ because it's about a relationship he wants to hear from you he wants you to hear from him and study and learn about him and that's that's really what we're going to focus in on today as we talk about eating spiritual food we're talking about being filled with Christ the body of Christ is filled with Christ it's inside of us. It's, it's overflowing out of us. We're saturated with Christ, and it, it comes out in everything that we do and how we live our lives, that Christ is in us. It becomes very evident to all the people around us as the body of Christ. As I said uh, early on, we are the church, which means 
We're not just the church here. That's our identity when we leave this place. We're not just full of Christ when we walk through the doors here. We're full of Christ all the time, everywhere, and he needs to be inside of us. Well, how does that happen? Look at Isaiah 55 again, and notice this text, uh, this invitation that we read in the scripture reading. It says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. You've been here very long. You probably heard me read this text. I love this text. One of the favorites in the Old Testament. But what is this text telling us? It's telling us God is inviting us to a meal. He says, come, everybody who's thirsty, everybody who's hungry, you come on. Like a, a grandma that just loves to cook and just says, you come on over, and, and I've got all this food ready for you all the time. I don't know how they do it. Uh, but they've always got something in the oven waiting for you whenever you show up. That's that's what God said. Come, I've got something for you. I've got food for you. I've got water. I've got milk. I've got wine. I've got bread. And it's good food. Why are you wasting your time eating that junk food? God says, you need to come and eat this food. This is good food. This is food that will satisfy you in a different way than the food that you're you're seeking after. And he says, you're working for it diligently and you're trying to obtain it and it will never satisfy you. He says, you come here and I'm going to give it to you without any cost. It's yours. You can have it and you can feast on it and it will fill you. It is rich food, rich food. We had a uh, ladies night at our house last Friday night and then invited the ladies to bring Soups, salads, sandwiches, and desserts. There was a lot of desserts. <laughs> and man, that dessert was rich. And it's still rich because they left a lot at our house. So you're going to see me kind of swell up over the next week or so. Uh, if I if I can beat the kids to it. And I'm sure Naomi's giving me that look like, you're not eating all that dessert. There's rich food. We know what rich food is. It's that food that you eat it and you just are like, whoa, this is rich and it's like i can't eat much of that that is so rich it's already i'm at my max level i can't take it anymore god says what he has to offer the bread the milk the wine is is filling it's rich something that is is high concentration well, what is he talking about god giving us food why why is he offering us food look at look at what he says in the middle of verse two he transitions over and he says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. The food he offers is his word. That it's as though he's saying, you listen to my word and you're eating rich food. Why does he say it like that? You know, we... 
we in America, we like to be very literal. We like to say what we mean. The poetic idea is, you know, for the most part, not something that we enjoy. That means we have to think about it and we have to dwell on it. But it's beautiful and it's 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 meaningful and it helps us understand it more intimately, a deeper understanding of what he's saying. He's telling us there is a spiritual nourishment that we need. Our soul is hungry for nourishment. And you don't feed your soul with food that goes into your body that is physical. You feed your soul with food that comes through your ears, that you listen, that you understand the spiritual truths that God has decided to reveal to us, to explain to us who he is, what he has done, who we are, and what we are expected to do. All of these spiritual truths have been shared with us. And he says, come and eat, come and understand, come and know and find assurance and find peace and find joy and find true satisfaction in your soul. That's what God wants to give us. And Isaiah, he's, he's offering that to everyone. And the law and the Old Testament prophets are revealing to us all of these wonderful things. If, 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 if the Israelites would have just taken it all in, it would be right there for them. But unfortunately, throughout the Old Testament, we see men refuse to listen. Men refused to listen diligently and hear what God had to say. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They don't know. They don't know who I am. In Malachi, God says obvious truths. I have loved you. And they say, how have you loved us? They don't know. They don't understand God. They don't understand his love. And so throughout the Old Testament, they could have eaten God's word and been filled by it. He said it was there and it's available and they didn't care enough to listen diligently that their souls may live. They let their souls shrivel up and die. They said like a, a spoiled little child who looks at that sweet, sweet, rich dessert, I don't like it. Even though they hadn't even tasted it. And so, what does God do in response to these stubborn people who refuse to listen to his word? Turn to John chapter 1, if you will. John chapter 1, verse 1. Beginning. John tells us what God has in store for people who refuse to listen and eat freely of the meal that he's offered them. Verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome. And now he talks about the Word, John does, as a sense of it's always been. The word has always been from the beginning, and, and it personifies it. He, he, the word is a he that, that uh, John is talking about, that is bringing life. And that's the same idea as Isaiah 55. 
you know, take in the word, listen diligently that your soul may live. There is life available as you listen to the word. Now go down to verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You see, in the Old Testament, men had the word given to them through other men. Moses gave them the word. The prophets spoke the word and told the people the word of God. And the people said, no, we don't, we don't believe it. We would rather believe these men over those men. And so they rejected God's word and they refused to listen. And so God said, okay, well, I'm going to bring my word to you in a different form. I'm going to bring my word to you in the form of a human. My word is going to be uh, flesh among you that you can see, that you can observe, that you can understand. And it says, in him was life. The spiritual life that our souls need, that our souls are craving, that our souls are dying without. God gives it to us in a different form to help us to obtain it. Because he doesn't care about uh, how, how, how we receive it. He cares about us receiving it. He cares about us re receiving it and living from it. That's his goal. That's his desire. So he gives Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the explanation of who God is. Fully manifested before all of mankind to see God in all of his glory. It says, we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is a wonderful thing that we have at our disposal in the life of Jesus, that we can see and know and understand who God is. It's been fully revealed to us, and we can, we can uh, understand that as we listen diligently to Christ's words and as we observe the way he lived his life. We can understand more about God than ever before, uh, with, with less effort than before, and it kind of introduces us to God so that we then can dig deeper into other aspects of God's Word and have even more rich food and be even more filled with, with understanding about who God is. Well, John touches on this theme throughout his book, and so I'd like for us to look at a couple of other passages that show us how Jesus is providing us with spiritual food and spiritual drink that satisfies our souls. And I want to kind of understand this a little bit better because maybe you're still struggling with this, okay? So let's talk about John chapter 4. Move forward to John chapter 4. And here we learn about a woman in Samaria uh, who is meeting with Jesus, and Jesus has a little conversation with her. So John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, it says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. 
Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and, and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Notice this interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman that, that he, he's asking her for a drink, but then he's offering her water that lasts. Uh, and, and he says, this water, if you drink it, you'll never be thirsty again. Have you ever been thirsty in your soul? Has your soul been thirsty for something? You ever felt that, that craving? Think about the Samaritan woman. As we go on in this text, uh, Jesus says, call your husband and come here. And the woman says, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, you're right in saying you have no husband. You have five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. You get the picture of her thirst that's in her soul as Jesus reveals her transgression. She's thirsty. She's seeking satisfaction in her soul. And she tries to find it by people, by relationships with different men. And she's not finding it, even though she's searching for it in man after man after man. She's not finding it. It's not available to her, no matter where she goes. She's thirsty. Have you ever been thirsty? Have you ever desired and craved something and you didn't know what it was and you didn't really know how to satisfy that craving inside of you and then you look to someone or something to provide some kind of satisfaction? I think we all have that. On occasion, maybe all the time. Some of us may be worse than others. <laughs> yeah, uh, we just sold our camper and I have all this money sitting in my bank account. And I'm like, man, I got money and I need to spend it. So I'm like diving in, trying to find me a boat because we got, we're, we're, we're near the water. We're going to get on a boat. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find this boat. And I'm, I'm diving in. I'm like, what am I doing? And I, and I read this text and I'm studying. I'm like, thank you, Lord. You know, this is wonderful. I'm thirsty. I'm craving, you know, and that boat, that's going to give me that satisfaction that I need. I have to have it. no. I know how that works. I've bought the new Jeeps. I've bought the new vehicles. I've had the cravings in the past. I've tried it in the past. And you know what happens? I get it. And then it doesn't satisfy me enough. And I need something else. No one and nothing satisfies this. Yet we, we seek it in everything all the time. And here I am, been a Christian 18 years, and still falling into the trap. <laughs> Thankfully, didn't buy anything, and I'm overcoming it through God's Word, but that's it. That's what we're going through in this life, this thirsting. And, and the problem is I've, I've left the living water, the, the water that Jesus gives us. We drink it, and we'll never be thirsty again. If that water is inside of us, if we're focusing our minds and our hearts on the, the truths of the life that God has given us, he says, you'll never be thirsty again. And all I had to do was shift my focus. 
the boat? Jesus. I don't really care about a boat. I mean, sure, it'd be fun. One of y'all have a boat? I'll I'll borrow it sometime. You know, it'd be great. But, I mean, it's just a lot of money being spent on something that won't satisfy the earth. Jesus satisfies. Jesus gives you the fulfillment of that urge and that desire. If we would just turn our eyes to him and focus in on him and dwell on the spiritual blessings he's given us and dwell on what he would have us to do. He says, if we drink him, we drink the living water that he offers, his words, his thoughts, understanding who he is, it will become a spring of water. That little bit that we intake through the ears becomes more in us. It grows inside of us and becomes a spring of water. That water was in me, and all I had to do was tap into it. It was available to me. All I had to do was go to it and seek out the satisfaction that it provides, and I'm good to go. No more desires for the things that will never satisfy. I can overcome that. And yeah, I'm going to buy things that I need, but I'm not going to be completely engulfed in whatever that thing is. That's not going to satisfy me because I have something already that satisfies me. And that's what Jesus is offering, a spiritual drink that is refreshing and helps us whenever our souls are starting to shrivel a little bit and brings life to them again. If you continue in this text, you notice uh, the disciples had gone for food and Jesus hadn't been eating very much. And they come back and the Samaritan woman leaves and they're like, what are you doing talking to this Samaritan woman? And, and he doesn't really answer her very much, answer him very much. And then they say, here you go, Rabbi, eat. And he says something very interesting. Look at verse 31. The disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anybody brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus tells his disciples that his food is doing the will of God. This is interesting, okay? So he offers living water, and then he reveals to his disciples he's eating spiritual food. He's eating spiritual food. And the spiritual food is not the word of God. In this case, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That is nourishing my soul as I do the things that God has provided for me to do and fulfill the opportunities that he shares with me. I am feeling satisfied in my soul. It's not just learning, but it's also doing that brings satisfaction to the soul he reveals to us. It's pretty amazing that God has created these ways of, of nourishing us on the inside, that as we learn and understand who God is and what he's done and who we are and what we're supposed to do, as we understand those things and then we do the things that we're supposed to do, we find even more satisfaction. So much so that we don't even desire the temporary foods and things that our bodies are usually growling for and desiring all the time. No, I can ignore those things, he says, because I have the spiritual satisfaction. That's all I really care about. I'm so excited about that. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been excited about studying with somebody and, and you're so engaged in the study that 
hours have passed by and then you look at the time and you're like, oh no, I missed appointments. I've got things to do. I've got places to go. You just didn't realize what time it was. Jesus is just so wrapped up in the work and the opportunities that he has to serve God that he doesn't care about the physical food. He cares about the spiritual well-being of others and, and his soul is nourished at the opportunity he has to share God's truth with other people. Is that you? Is that me? Is that, is that the nature of our lives that we find that spiritual nourishment from not just listening, but also doing the will of God? Well, as we go forward, we see that typically men do not find nourishment in the spiritual things. Men are just so focused on the physical that they can't even see the spiritual. Skip ahead to John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with physical food. He gives them physical food. Just a a few pieces of bread, a few fish. He feeds 5,000 people. And then they say, let's make him the king. Everybody's excited because they got the physical food. And that's that's what they really care about. And he's, he's not here for that. So he tries to escape and he goes to the other side of the lake and they come after him seeking more physical food. That's their primary focus. Look at verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you were seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Wow. So here they are. They've come, and they're like, oh, Rabbi, where, how'd you get here? He says, ah, you're not here because you saw the signs, and you're ready to listen diligently, and you're ready to incline your ear to my teachings and follow my instructions. You're not here to eat spiritual food. You're here to eat physical food. You're still looking for the, the satisfaction of your, of your cravings of your stomach, not the satisfaction of the cravings of your soul. And so he doesn't want anything to do with these disciples because he wants to offer bread that endures, bread that is lasting, bread that feeds the soul. And he says... He is that bread. It's very interesting. His, his way of turning these people off is to start offering, offering them spiritual truths that are going to be hard for them to digest because they don't care about spiritual food. They care about physical food. Look what he says, verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him, as the Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. So Jesus says some really odd things in this text. You know, these guys have come and they're really just seeking, you know, physical satisfaction. They're seeking a, a ruler, a king who's going to save them from the Roman oppression. They're seeking somebody who's going to make their lives easier and satisfy uh, the cravings of their life. That, that they, They're missing something and they think physical things will, will make up for that. And they think Jesus is going to provide them physical things. And he says, no, you need spiritual food. I am that bread that you need to eat of. And he says, you eat my flesh, you drink my blood, and then you will find satisfaction for your soul. Your soul will live. And the one who, who feeds on me, he will, he will live because of me. This is all connected with Isaiah 55. He's bringing Isaiah 55 to this point to say, I am the word that has been made flesh that you can now eat of me and you can understand who God is, what he's done, what he, what he wants from you. you. You can eat of me and understand the purpose of life. You can find in me the satisfaction that you're looking for. But you need to eat of me. You need to drink of me. Many times I've heard this text used uh, to talk about the Lord's Supper. I don't think that was what Jesus had in mind. Whenever he said this, I think the Lord's Supper is really bringing to our mind the fact that we are to take Jesus in and, and make him a part of us. I don't have any problem with using the text, but the focus here is you need to be listening diligently to what Jesus is teaching. You need to take in his life. You need to take in his, his serving and his uh, sacrifice. You need to take in his commitment to the well-being of other people and compassion and mercy and love. You need to take it all in. You need to make it a part of you. What is Jesus offering? Just like Isaiah, Jesus is offering his teachings and truths about God's will for our lives. Just like in Isaiah, Rich food can be found. If we will just study and learn and understand what Jesus has done and taught, we will find a better understanding of God's will for us. And our souls will benefit. Learning God's will satisfies us on a deeper level than all of the things that we pursue in this life. Sitting around at night, binge-watching TV shows gives us a level of satisfaction. I'm not going to deny that, all right? We all do that, most of us, okay? Uh, uh, hobbies, they give us some level of satisfaction, always. Like, there's something to it, or else we wouldn't do it anymore, okay? This is deeper than that. This is satisfaction that goes down deep inside of us. 
I said earlier, I've been a Christian for 18 years. Coming May, the 18 years. I'll tell you what, my soul was starving. And the more that I learn, the more that I understand, the more calm and at peace and satisfied I feel about all that I know about who God is, what he's done for me. I feel assured. I feel hopeful. That's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to go through life wondering, am I okay? Am I not okay? Is heaven going to happen for me? Is it not going to happen? He doesn't want us to, to constantly be afraid. He doesn't want us to constantly be seeking something that's temporary to fill in the gap of the relationship that we're supposed to have with God. He wants us to find satisfaction in what we understand about God, and, and he wants us to find satisfaction that's deeper than the things of this earth provide. I've, I've done a lot of things to try to find satisfaction that matches the satisfaction that comes from the Word of God, and nothing does. Learning God's Word, learning who Jesus is, satisfies me more than the new stuff. It satisfies me even more than my relationship with my spouse or my children. I love those things. They satisfy me. They, they bring me so much joy. But it's even deeper than that to know how God feels about me than how he loves me. And the beautiful thing that we also see in this is doing God's will brings a greater sense of satisfaction. It brings a deeper sense of satisfaction. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt good having attempted to teach someone else the Bible? Have you ever felt good having encouraged somebody who was uh, struggling spiritually or struggling physically by praying for them or by offering some words of encouragement and, and, and trying to help them with their life? Have you felt a sense of satisfaction? Doing the will of God is food for our souls. Jesus says he is doing the will of God and that has provided him with spiritual satisfaction. And the cool thing is those things that we do for God, they overpower the cravings for the temporary things that we're constantly seeking after that we think we have to have. So we need to be willing to eat and drink the spiritual food of learning God, learning about him, and doing his will. And we need to stop pursuing temporary things that will never get us what we're really seeking. If your soul is hungry, if your soul is thirsty, you have to recognize you need to eat spiritual food, not physical food, not taking in physical things. Being Christ's church, being the church, not going to church, being the church, means we eat and we drink Jesus. To have life in our souls. And whenever we eat and whenever we drink, think about what happens whenever we do that physically. That food goes into our systems. And our body converts that food into energy so that we can move and have life and being. We can do things. We can't live without food, right? Well, that spiritual food, digesting Christ, it does the same thing. It converts just like a car takes in gasoline and then there's this uh, process. It goes through the engine and explodes and there's all this energy and there's movement that's created. 
That's what's happening whenever we digest Christ. It goes into us and it explodes. And it creates energy and it creates movement. And we become what we're supposed to be. We do the things that we're supposed to do. But the great thing about it is our food that we eat becomes a part of us. Our cells absorb the nutrients. And the food that we eat becomes a part of us. It makes us up. It makes us who we are. It establishes our strength, our weaknesses, our, our abilities, our feelings. It affects our emotions and our hormones and all those things. There's so many things that are going on with our physical food. Well, our spiritual food, whenever we take in Christ, he becomes a part of us. And we become like him. And that's exactly what our desire should be. So we need to evaluate ourselves and our diet. How, how often are we in, engaging in study that is of any significance? How often are we diving into God's word with a craving and a desire to understand who he is? Do we care? Are we too busy? trying to find satisfaction in things that will never satisfy. We have to study to make Christ a part of who we are. And then we have to do the will of God that we understand from that study. And that is a goal that we have as the body of Christ. And I hope that you'll join me in making that your mission and your goal as the body of Christ. That you will not give up on the studies of, the, of, of who God is and all that God has done for us, that you will not sacrifice those studies to pursue things that will never give you what you're looking for, that you'll see in this is the real eternal satisfaction that goes with us into eternity. If you're here this morning and you have not accepted the wonderful blessings that we have in Christ, we want you to know the invitation is open for you to come and eat. It's rich food. You're missing the satisfaction in your soul. You're, you're not at peace with who you are and how you're, you're living your life. And, and you're not at peace with your relationship with God. And you're not at peace with what's going to happen in the future after this life is over. God wants you to be at peace with that. He wants you to feel joy and hope and assurance and knowing that he cares for you and he will provide for you. And he will. He'll provide for all who love him and all who seek to be in his church, his group, the people who call themselves after his name, the people who live to serve him. And if that's not you, it can be. And we're here to help you in any way we can. If you'll let us know, please come as we stand and as we sit.